0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Romans chapter 8 verse 35. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So now he's being poetic about this, but he's also being specific. He's trying to envisage a situation that will be strong enough and big enough to topple his faith in God. It says who, who, who. I'm just trying to imagine it tribulation or distress nakedness he says even if it comes to a point where I'm stripped of my clothing and I have to walk naked he says will that be sufficient to topple my faith in Christ he says no who what what he said even persecution not distress distress not peril not sword Meaning even if you put a sword to my neck. My conviction is not going to change. And so he says. As it is written. For thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay. In all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him that loves us. Listen. What makes us more than conquerors. Is the fact that the tribulation. No matter how great. Cannot get us to change our conviction yes we are conquerors when we overcome situations but we are more than conquerors when no matter what happens our conviction is intact the most important thing is not the result it is the conviction you have to understand the conviction is the most important thing he's talking about his love for christ and what would be sufficient to make him to doubt it And so, why does he say we are more than conquerors in all these things? Is it because the things he mentioned prior have stopped? The persecution had not stopped. The peril had not stopped. The sword had not been stopped to be drawn against them. So, why does he say they are more than conquerors? Because the persecution has stopped? No. But because the persecution cannot get them to change their conviction. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is important. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is so important. It's a training in God. That my conviction must not be built on my experience. Did you hear what I said? Say that with me. My conviction must not be built on my experience. It's very important that no matter what I experience, the word of God remains the word of God. Nothing shall be able. Some people discern the love of God by the situations they face. Oh, I got a new job. God must really love me. Uh Uh-uh. He said, even if everything around me goes south, it will still be sufficient to change. That means my revelation of the love of God is in the Word. It's a supernatural conviction in the Word. Not based on circumstances, but based on the Word. And that's why no matter what I see around, it cannot change what I see within. Do you understand what I'm saying? Only then will you truly be more than conqueror. When no situation will be sufficient to change your conviction. If any experience changed your conviction, you never actually really had a conviction. This is important. To come to a point where you have gone past. Gone past. Listen. A natural man has to overcome to prove a point. He has to overcome to be an overcomer. He has to conquer to be a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror when you know that (laughs) even without the fight, you know that the outcome is the same. The outcome is the same. That nothing can bring your conviction to his knees. You know, what you believe about God will remain intact and forever. Say loud, amen a training word and so even when you come to a point where what you believe does not appear to be working as a now this still remains your guide what 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 can separate me from the love of Christ as it pertains to know the theme of the month what will ever bring me to a point where I doubt God's willingness to heal God's ability to heal there's no such thing you know I was listening to one of my favorite apologists and he said this as a believer he says feel free to believe in the word of God even in areas you have no explanation for don't feel that you always have to have an explanation yes I know all the rhetorics yeah helping thinkers believe believers think and all of that good stuff But when it all comes down to it, our conviction is based on the word of God. We know that the word of God is confirmed by science. And you will never really find anything scientific that contradicts or contravenes the word of God. Quite all right. But there might be things that we still don't have the answers to yet. Hallelujah. But you will never come up with a theory that will make me doubt this Bible. Listen, it's a conviction you must have. The healing anointing works for idiots. Idiots like me. You can't talk me out of this stuff. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? You can't talk me out of this stuff. I'm not intelligent enough not to believe in miracles. No matter whatever you... Considered to be a contradiction. I, I believe the Bible. You have to burn the bridges. Stop trying out God. And his word. Stop trying out. Embrace his word. That's how it works. Nothing. Will be able. To separate. You're talking about the man. Who was willing to die. And eventually died. He walked the talk. Praise the name of Jesus. Do you know that when we come to a point as a local assembly. Where we have this conviction. We're going to see more miracles. For instance. If someone on a wheelchair is here. The moment I walk up to the person. To want to minister to the person. Some of you. I will literally hear your fear. Pastor, will fall our hand today, or something like that. Ah, what if it doesn't happen? You are even many times. We are even more concerned than the person we are praying for. Concerned, you know. If the fear is palpable and touchable, Hallelujah. But we come to a point where we're, we're all. Thank you. You know, some guys be wondering why they are still single, but they saw a lady running to carry mic for me, and you are wondering why you are still single. That's why. With heels, she was running. Praise the Lord. All right, focus now. (laughs) Hallelujah. So where was I? You know, so we have to come to a point where all of us, we know the word of God is true. So if you pray for someone like that, it doesn't appear to happen immediately. It should have. It should have happened. It should have happened. Praise the name of the Lord believe this thing. Throw yourself into this thing. Let it hold you in times of seeming contradictions. What what, what do you do when it seems like what you believe isn't working? What do you do then? There's There's an example in the Bible, an example of Abraham. You see, Abraham, you know, had an encounter with God. You know those meetings where you Literally, you feel the glory of God and all of that. Meetings like this. And you feel like anything is possible. And you can ask God for something difficult that is going to happen on the spot. Like things are happening on the spot. And so in Genesis 15, Abraham has an experience like that. He's still called Abraham at the time. and So he just says something audacious. He says, well, God, what can you give me? I have no child. The way things are going, you've blessed me with a lot of resources. You've blessed me with a lot of resources, but someone else who is not my child, Elysia, of Damascus, is going to inherit everything you've given me. And sure enough, God speaks and he said, "No, I'm going to give you a child, someone of your blood and of your flesh." And He didn't stop there. <laughs> Abraham asked for a son. God promised him something even more dangerous. So, as Abraham was there, he said, Step outside. So, Abraham steps outside and he said, Look to the stars. Just imagine it with the, oh, okay, okay. You know, and he's looking to the stars. He says, Start counting. That's the number of children I'm going to give you. You know, (laughs) audacious prophetic word. Have you ever received an audacious prophetic word before? They're like, ah, wow, you should know what God said. And, you know, you leave that meeting, you know, you're pumped, you're excited. stirred up in your spirit. As you're driving home, the things that would have annoyed you, they don't annoy you anymore. Someone is driving rough, curves you, and all of that. You're, just, you're like, bless you, brother. <laughs> Nothing is going to distract me, not even in Lagos. Hallelujah. And you're just so excited. Something like that happened to Abraham. God said he's going to give me more children than I, than I can count. He probably went home and told Sarah, he said, you know, start rehearsing. You go born tire. <laughs> I hope you're ready. I asked God for a child. He said he will give me more than I can count. Who pumped. Then one year goes by. Another year. Another year. Years are literally passing. It became so bad, Sarah had to begin to tell him, pressure him, and say, Listen, what, what we're doing is stupid now. Let's get ourselves a concubine and, you know, get a son so that our inheritance won't waste like that. Now, people are quick to, to, to criticize Sarah. But think about it, when you are trusting for a miracle, there's a compendium of stories that you can read as reference and hold on to in the word of God. A lot of examples, how many examples did Sarah have? Are you with me? How many? So she's like, first of all, I wasn't there when God spoke to you. I don't know what it is you are saying. Maybe you are being very emotional about this thing. It's beginning to affect your psychology. So you thought you heard from God. And maybe you didn't. It's not a big deal. Let's get us on. Hallelujah. And every married man knows this. When your wife really wants something. Anyway. Never mind. (laughs) I love you dear. right, So. But I mean. My wife is a woman of God. So she always wants. What is in line with her? I'm doing Uh. (laughs) auto-shalai. Anyway. I don't want to enter trouble at home. So. (laughs) But you get the point. Now. So he went ahead. He had a son. Ishmael. Years went by. Ishmael is already a teenager. He's 13 years old. Abraham had moved on. He's not angry with God. He's not angry with God. He's still going to church. Just don't stress on this healing thing too much, please. Do you understand? Let's just talk about the finished work of Christ. He saved me. I love Him. Talk about forgiveness. Talk about kindness to people. You know, that's the kind of church I like. Don't stress on this trusting for miracle, miracle stuff. I don't want to find myself in that vulnerable state again. You know, hope deferred is a bad thing. I listen. In fact. You know, many people even reorganize their theology, they build it around their experience, and it sounds nice. Sounds logical. Let's be logical. Let's be, you know, many of these Christians of these days, they lose their minds. And then he has another encounter. In Genesis chapter 17, the Bible says, this time, Abraham is 99 years old. 99 and he's just having a nice time, and then God speaks again. Walk before me, be thou perfect, you know. He falls on his face, and God is talking to him. And then God says, This is my covenant with you, you shall be a father of many nations. Yeah, Abraham must have been again on this matter again after so many years. I'm still here I'm still trusting in you I didn't try any other God all this while just don't bring this up but he says you will be a father of many nations what he said years ago he's still saying this word is for someone here he has not changed his mind it's still going to happen and so God speaks you will be a father of many nations he didn't stop there (laughs) he says neither shall your name be any more called Abraham but thy name shall be called Abraham for a father of nations I have made thee, listen oh my goodness, as if it wasn't embarrassing enough years ago that he received the word and nothing happened at least that one he received it in private so his friends didn't know that God gave him a promise, maybe he had told his, his close acquaintances but nobody knew no big deal but now you're asking him to make it his name let everybody start calling you father of nations a man without children father of nations how are you today father of nations how was work today father of nations now you're seeing them the whole family two of them abraham and sarah walking and you're praising ah father of nations What kind of, naturally speaking you're like, what kind of embarrassment is this now you want to rub it off in people's faces and in ours you want me to bear the name you know what God was trying to get him to do, all your safety nets, throw them away demonstrate this faith once and for all, let everybody know you are trusting God and it's going to happen, there is no other way to believe God than to go all the way. No other way. No other way. No other way. Take bold steps. Make bold declarations. Make bold confessions. Hallelujah. Because many years after, the word of God is still the same. He has not changed his mind about you, he has not changed his promise about you. He's still saying the same thing. You can as well take it to the bank. Call yourself what he has called you. Make sure everybody knows. Father of nations shall be your name. He said not only you. He said your wife also shall be called Sarah. Years ago, when Abraham heard the word from God, he was so pumped. He probably shouted glory, you know, you know and did the run. And all of that. But this time around when God spoke to him do you know what he did the Bible says he fell on the floor and started laughing <laughs> you're talking to a 99 year old man and you're telling him he will have children 99 year old do you know my age can you say that in your show my age, <laughs> show, show my age <laughs> hallelujah and God is like, well, that's what I'm going to do. What do you do when it seems like God has said something and it's not working? What do you do? I'll give you another story. John chapter 11. Turn your Bibles quickly. This is a story of Lazarus. The Bible says from verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany. The town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary, you know, verse two is very interesting. God would have you know that it was not. It, this was not any random person. This was someone close to home. You know that Mary we read about with the alabaster box, that Mary that anointed Jesus with ointment. Used all her salary of, you know, they said the estimation of that, the worth of that box was like three years work, you know, minimum wage or something like that. It was expensive. Gave radically to the work of God and now there's a problem in the family. It says it was that Mary which anointed Jesus with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother was sick. It says, therefore his sister sent unto Jesus saying, Lord, behold, him whom thou lovest is sick. Everybody. Read verse 4 together. 1, 2, go. This sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God. And that the Son of Man might be glorified thereby. He said this sickness is not unto death. Just put yourself in Mary's shoes. Your brother is sick. You send the word to Jesus. Jesus replies. He's not going to die. You know, that's what he said. He's not going to die. And you're like, oh, glory to God. My brother will not die. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. From that moment, you know, you're not, you're not perturbed anymore. You see all the symptoms. You're like, you'll be all right. Jesus said, you'll be all right. I trust him. My brother will not die. Everybody's, you know, frantic about it. Everybody's worried. And you're like, my brother will be fine. Don't worry. Jesus said, it's not unto death he's not going to die Well, guess what happened he died what do you do in moments of contradiction what do you do Jesus said he's not unto death and he died and as if that was not bad enough when he died Jesus did not show up they were close he should have been there immediately but he wasn't And on the second day, Jesus did not show up! And on the third day, Jesus did not show up! And on the fourth day, Jesus did not show up! Put yourself in Mary's shoes and in Martha's shoes You know when he showed up eventually They couldn't, they they even tried They even tried Some African lady would not even talk to him Africans are extra, we're all extra God loves us anyway (laughs) Hallelujah but, you know you, you could see the emotion. She went to him and said if you had come Melia he wouldn't have died and Jesus is still sermonizing didn't I tell you if you believe you will see the glory of God you know? her brother is dead news flash even if it comes four days after he's still on time did you hear what I said even if he comes four days after, he's still on time. What you're trusting for, you might have been trusting for five years. For seven years, makes no difference. He's still on time. Hallelujah. And he's going to compensate you in a way that will make up for all the times that the canker worm, the palmer worm has stolen. Hallelujah. He's going to compensate you in such a way that it will be as if no time was lost at all. Say amen if you believe. We're talking about God here. It doesn't matter how many days after he came. He's still on time. He's still on time. He's still on time. Dare to believe this God. Put your trust in him. The Bible says they that put their trust in him shall not be ashamed. You shall not be ashamed. Don't come up with convenient theology. Don't explain the whole thing away. Don't come up with some porous explanation of charismatic ministry. Yeah, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. The Bible doesn't say that. And he heals some, he doesn't heal others. The Bible does not say that. Listen, I know how you feel, I know what it's like to pray for someone, you know, especially someone you love, and it seems like nothing happens. I know. But the word of God is still the word of God. No matter what you experience. When you go to Mark 16:17, It still says the same thing. This sign shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. You know. And then. You know. You go to your place of work. It's still the same situation. You go home to your family. It's still the same situation. You open it. Thinking that the world will change. Because of your experience. To accommodate. And empathize with what you're going through. But it's still there. Now you have a choice to believe or not to believe. And while you are there saying it is not, it's not working because it didn't work in this situation, other people are saying, oh, it worked for me, oh, it worked for me, oh, it worked for me. You have a choice to say, to admit, maybe I have some growing to do. Maybe the problem is not the word of God, I have some growing to do. I need to meditate on this word more. I need to grow into these things. Sometimes you see, you demonstrate your faith, and it seems like it doesn't happen. But when you look at the past, you know, I remember the time even getting people filled with the Spirit was work. It was work. Hallelujah. Remember the time casting out devils was work. But now, I can't remember the last time it took me more than four minutes. Did you hear what I said? I cannot. I'm standing here, I'm trying to think. Usually, when I grab the mic, they check out on their own. Praise the Lord. And so, I remember when I was growing in that area. And in the other areas that I'm growing to, I remember. It's all about growth. Don't come up with excuses. You know, as a pastor, you can even defend yourself. It's the easiest thing to do. They didn't have enough faith. And yes, faith plays a huge role in all of this. I'm going to teach on that in this series. But how about you just step out and do what God says. There are a lot of people that Jesus healed that did not have faith. Good example, Lazarus. How did Lazarus demonstrate his faith in the grave? That okay, I'm going to say these confessions, then I will come back to life. You just do the word Lazarus, come forth. Hallelujah. That was his name and surname Lazarus, comfort. I'm just playing, just playing. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Do the word. No excuses. No excuses. I know what it's like. You know, last week, we had so many instant testimonies here. Incredible stuff. But here is something interesting. The irony of it all. My second daughter was in the hospital on admission. I had been with her in the morning, okay, the night before we came. Came here, healed many sick people. Went back home. You know, the same hands that healed the sick in the morning, I placed on my own daughter. Be healed, be healed. I didn't have food. Hallelujah. Now, make no mistake. I'm happy for the people that were healed. I mean it from my heart. Believe what you want. Hallelujah. Oh, she's better now. Praise the Lord. Back home and all of that. But listen, I'm just telling you, I've come to a point where you can't talk me out of this thing. Seen it too many times, seen it too many times. Went to preach at Ape Babalola University this past week. And oh boy, what a time we had. I was preaching, I had a word of knowledge. I said, there's someone here, you have a hearing deficiency in your right ear. You know, and the lady was somewhere at the back. Boom, she started hearing on the spot. Started hearing, I mean, the ears popped open. Praise the Lord. You know. And then I said, there's someone here, you, you have a relative that is bedridden. I, I wanted to minister to their family. So they called relatives, put it on speaker. Oh boy, did miracles begin to happen. So, so this lady, her dad was bedridden, had been in the hospital for a long time, couldn't do anything for himself, couldn't even talk. And just over at the phone, praying there, the power of God hit him in the hospital, he began to talk. The people in the world. We're so they were wondering what's happening. They ran to go and call the doctor. <laughs> you know, this man is another lady. Her mom could not walk, she couldn't walk unaided. Prayed over the phone and she started walking. Yeah. Listen, I can go on and on. One another person, the dad had the tumor, they had done an operation, they'd taken it out, it was resurfacing. So they had to go for consistent checks for cancer and all of that. Prayed over the phone. The next day was his routine checkup. He went there. All the he says he's like a normal human being. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Funny thing is, I don't now believe because it's happening. I believe the word of God. I believe the word of God, and I want to dare you. To come to that place in your conviction where you say nothing, nothing, nothing. Not just concerning salvation, but concerning healing. He's good. He's good. He's good. This thing, it works. And you're going to see it in your life. Did you hear what I said? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going to see it in your life. In fact, today, you're going to see it today. Yes, Do you believe, ma? Yes, Hallelujah. Say, I will see it today. Yes, Glory to God. No excuses. No excuses. Thank you, Jesus. One of my greatest heroes in the Bible is the woman with the issue of blood. You know, it's so funny how you can be so defined by your problem. That nobody even knows your name anymore. Till date, we don't know her name. The woman with the issue of blood. But hey, she was trusting for 12 years. In 12 years, she had spent a lot of money on different physicians. And 12 years after, she heard that Jesus was passing by. Nobody had to sell the idea to her to come and say, you know, I know you have You know you have tried many things for 12 years Try Jesus Don't give up Nobody had to do all of that On her own She said to herself If I will just touch the hem of his garment I will be healed 12 years after 12 years after You still believe Are you with me? 12 years after if I would touch the hem of his damage, that years might have gone by but you still believe the word of God you still believe that he's going to touch your family huh many years after glory to God yeah. glory to God yeah. are you listening to me He's going to touch you. He's going to touch you. On her own. Without any motivation. Without anybody psyching her up. She said, I'm going to go. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. I'm going to be healed. And she was. We give up too easily. It's my prayer and my hope. That this sermon will build in you with tenacity. Where, like Paul, you can say, What, what, what can what? What what will be strong enough to get me to a point where you say, You know, I concede I was wrong. No, no, in all these things, in all these things. more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Do you believe that this morning? Just take a moment and worship him right now. Worship him right now. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is touching people right now.